This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. I have the privilege of welcoming Manish Bindi to Manish. Did I, did I pronounce that the right way? That was right. That okay, was great. awesome. Uh, so I have uh, the fortunate opportunity to, to to talk to Manish Bindi today uh, of GoldenSilverForLife.com, and I love precious. I, I love the conversation of, of precious uh, metals. It uh, it's it's always a, it's always a hot button. There's also there's always different perspectives on it, and so uh, Manish, that's kind of what his, uh, his his business is based around. So I'm excited to ask uh, ask him some questions. Uh, but Manish, maybe before we get started into in some of the dialogue, why don't you give our listeners uh, your a little bit about your uh, background? So, firstly, thank you very much uh, for having me on, Patrick. Um, my background: I started in the investing world um, at 15 years old, 15 going into 16, negotiating real estate deals with my dad. Uh, I was negotiating no money down real estate uh, investment deals for investors. He had a sort of a club of investors and we were packaging uh, no money down property pack uh, deals up and uh, providing them for those investors. And then from there it evolved and I met different people and they uh, inspired me, especially one, one person named Mark Anastasi inspired me to start sharing what I was doing. Um, so that's what I, we started doing. We started sharing what we were doing and spoke around the UK uh, twice a month for four or five years. Um, and then the 2008 uh, situation happened, if we can call it a situation. Uh, <laughs> and it gave me a moment to reflect on what I wanted to do. And what I realized that was while I was teaching people how to make money through the stock market and real estate, which is what I was doing, I was actually teaching them how to have a job. Um, because I wasn't teaching them how to do it in the smartest way possible. Mm -hmm. So what I decided to do was take a break and look at, you know, uh, what I wanted to do with, from, from a career perspective, what I wanted to give to the world. And in that time period, I started researching gold and silver and where would I put my own money. And so I started moving my funds into gold and silver at that time. And then I, I was very always inspired by Steve Jobs, uh, and one thing that inspired me was he said, I wonder if we can, we need to create an all-in-one computer, something that just plugs in and just works for everybody. And so what I was inspired by was, what if we could do that with investing? Because as I'm sure you know, in the investment education space, the average success rate is 3%. It's awful. And so I was inspired, and by the way, I wasn't far off that average with my companies. Um, and it made me wonder, what if we could create an investment strategy or a process or a community or something that allowed people to just plug and play and it would just work? And then, you know, just the synchronicity of it all, gold and silver was a great backdrop because they're the safe, you know, safe, very, very safe investments, if not the safest investments in the world. Um, and so that we, we created gold and silver for life and started teaching people how to own gold and silver while getting a monthly cash flow, which most people don't even know is possible. Mm -hmm. um, and since then, we've grown from clients in two countries to now clients in 41 countries, all using the same strategy with a 92% success rate. 
Uh, and so that's where we're at. That's a very, very long introduction, but that's where we're at. No, that's good. So, so what, what initially got you interested in, in gold? I mean, I know that you said you were looking for, you know, look, looking for a safe place to put your money, but was, was there anything else aside from that that got you intrigued with the, the gold and silver play? I was just, I, I guess, uh, I was very shocked by what happened in 2008. Um, and I started researching, you know, money cycles, uh, and things like that. And so really for me, you know, everyone, everyone has, a, I'm not a, I'm not a gold and silver fanatic. I'm more of a long-term opportunist <laughs> and, uh, and people have their different ways of, of, of calling themselves, but I'm a, I'm definitely a long-term opportunist. Mm -hmm. If you told me that, you know, gold and silver, uh, have, you know, have finished their cycles. When we look at the long-term trend from 1671, that's uh, happened every 38 years where gold and silver has taken precedent over paper money. Mm. And once that happens, I'll be on to the next thing. I'm not here to build a, 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 a face for gold and silver. Um, so what intrigued me was really what is the next cycle that's going to increase the value of my money. That was it. Interesting. Okay. So what? So what are some things that you like that, that you researched? Books that you read? Uh, people that you did listen to? Because I'm assuming you probably went down the, the road of, of all the gold bugs that are that are out there. But what what did you? Yeah. What, why don't you take take us down that path of, of your education into that arena? So firstly, I obviously you know you go. I was always a big fan um, in terms of you know the, the the information that Robert Kiyosaki was putting out there. Mm -hmm. So uh, my initial uh, reading was uh, um, Michael Maloney's Guide to Investing in Gold and Silver, which mm -hmm. is a great book. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I came across everyone in the gold and silver space, and I was really drawn really to uh, Mike and a gentleman by the name of David Morgan. Um, who's silverinvestor.com mm -hmm. uh, is also a great partner of ours now, which is awesome. And I was really, it was really these, those two gentlemen's information that uh, led me into and gave me the confidence to invest in gold and silver in the first place. Got it. So as you started doing it, what was your, what was your experience like? Um, as you started to do it personally. It was, it was, I mean, it was fine. I was, I was, I've always been an investor and I've always had a much lower risk tolerance than most people, which is sort of why people like working because they can, they, they don't mind me going, going forward and testing it out and seeing whether it works or not with my money and then, uh, and then jumping in later. Yeah. Um, so yes, it was, it was, it was perfectly fine. It was slow to start with because when you're investing gold and silver, you know, the traditional approach is just go buy bricks, bars, and coins, and you're mm -hmm. done. Uh, the problem with that, it gets very, very boring. And coming from real estate and coming from the stock market, I knew there was ways that, and also analyzing how big banks and hedge funds and people invest in gold and silver, I knew there was smarter ways to do it. And you know, buying physical wasn't, it might be a good way, and I think everybody needs a, a good physical allocation, but it wasn't the smartest way to do it. So, all right. So, why don't you take us through that transition? Because, yeah, the, when when people hear gold and silver, you know, it, at first it's very polarizing, right? Because mo most people, I don't think, understand the the underlying theory. But I think with your pursuit, have you ever uh, have you ever read the? They they took it down years ago, but there was a website that was called Rich Dad's Gold. Did you ever did you ever uh, come across that? I I probably did. Yeah. But uh, I've read so much that. Yeah. You have to remind me. And I'll and I'll post that. There's a there's a PDF. It's it's down, but I still have the PDF. I'll post it on the show notes. But it was, 
it was kind of my first awakening into just the how, how profound uh, gold is when it comes to the you know the the economic scheme of things. And most recently, I think that there's a, a very similar dynamic with Jim Rickard's uh, Jim Rickard's book, uh, the case the new case for gold. And it really right. is just a very easy, simple, logical way to uh, you know to to define the importance of 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 that precious that precious metal. So, you know, I, I, I look at that and you know the, the fundamentals I think are important. Once you have that, now it comes down to, all right, how do you do it? And I think the first inclination is to buy uh, physical, right? And then you know you gravitate toward have physical and have it stored somewhere secure. And then it can't be stored in the U.S., so it can't you know it has to be stored abroad, or it can't be stored in a, a, a safety deposit box because look at what happened in the Great Depression. So you. So you have all these different theories of ownership on physical, then you get into the paper side of things, and, and I'm good friends with with Andy Tanner, and who does who's a rich dad advisor and and you know teaches uh, option strategies, which I'm assuming is is part of your uh, you know part of your business. But you know where where did you what are some of the paths that you went down to discover? Okay, this specific strategy is for me. Well, I already knew it because we were already teaching and I was already investing uh, in the stock market with, you know, the various different option strategies and things like that. I think what really gave me the confidence with the strategy that we now teach, the one that's been proven in cl- with clients in 41 countries, got a great success rate and everything like that, was really how simple it was. You know, we stripped away everything to do with the standard options education model, which is three 500 page manuals full of definitions that people think that they need to read yeah. um, in order to get a result and I, and I sort of re-engineered it and I said what would be the least amount of information I need to give for somebody to get a result and then once we isolated all of that uh, and started getting the results it was it, it just it, it sort of gave me the confidence to to expand it a bit more um, so that's what it was I mean I was always aware of the option strategies uh, and applying them to gold and silver was just a natural evolution. There was no sort of revealing moment. It was just something that I had been doing for years. But the revealing moment came when we actually re- reversed and engineered the way we were teaching options, took away everything, gave the simplest information and the things that were responsible directly for the result, not knowledge. Cool, cool. So why, so let's get into it. Why don't you, why don't you kind of tell me about just kind of how your how your business works. How do you own gold and silver? How do you get income or, or cash flow off of it? Uh, and then and I'll kind of inter- interject with with questions because I have a, I have a, a bunch of questions still. Sure. So, so we use ETFs. Uh, we don't use futures contracts. We don't use pure paper forms of gold and silver at all. Uh, we use the biggest ETFs, GLD and SLV, um, ones that are audited, have audit statements of their bricks, bars, and coins available every single quarter um, online for everybody to view that, are, that have three different institutions involved with making sure that the gold and silver is there. Um, so we use them and also a friend of mine who was part of the World Gold Council when they actually started GLD, um, you know, told me about how, how impressive the structure behind GLD is. Uh, so we use those ETFs. Once we acquire those ETFs, or even before we acquire those ETFs, we have a simple two-step strategy. And step one, and they both involve options. Step one just allows you to use a put option to uh, to acquire the ETF. 
And step two is using a call option to generate the income once you own the ETF. We have, you know, different ways of looking at which options to place and th things like that. But the real value of what we provide is once you're a client, you get to attend the weekly coaching call with me live where you can ask anything and I stay on the call for as long as people need to to make them feel happy with what's going on in the market. Mm -hmm. And once people become a client, they don't ever have to pay for that again. Uh, so that's really the value of what we do. And the, what that results in is, like I said, a community around the world that's getting amazing results. And But most importantly, they're getting results consistently. Because when I was teaching trading, we could help people get results for a month or two months. But how do you then keep that consistent and any investment program that isn't consistent is completely irrelevant which I'm sure all of your listeners will understand if you can't stay consistent with something it is completely irrelevant and so that was my real goal is how do we help people stay successful consistently got it so does your platform so how does your platform work is it is it purely uh, educational or do you guys actually have a trading platform that uh, that you sell a subscription to, and that's that's used to uh, uh, to execute your strategy. No, but completely educational because okay. we have clients all over the world, and the goal really was to have a, a system that anybody can use in the world. We can't really have our own trading platform or our own brokerage because it's limited to which countries and regulations we can work with, and we don't have obviously the funding to create something like interactive brokers, for example, that. Uh, can work with any with anyone so yeah it's complete pure education uh, as of this moment got it so so tell me you know tell, tell me looking at you know just the gold and silver markets in general you have you know some of the some of the rhetoric out there is that you know with whether it's uh, GLD or SLV or whatever, whatever the prime you know there's a lot of other ETFs associated with precious metals but looking at the the rhetoric, it, it, it are, are these ETFs? If there's you know let's say a billion dollars of, of this um, you know of this uh, of this ETF, is that is there a is that a hundred percent backed by the underlying underlying asset? Yeah, so you've got to be very 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 careful. Um, that's the that's the precursor that I'll put on it. If you invest, I mean, there's ETFs that are leveraged ETFs. There's ETFs that have been caught not. Uh, having their their allocation in gold and silver, um, so you've got to be very careful. The reason why we choose the, two, the biggest ones is because they're audited uh, by three different institutions. So um, there's different structures. You want to stay away from futures, which is the paper market. And generally, when everyone says, "Oh my God, gold and silver is being manipulated," the truth is, and I know it. You know, my peers in this industry love to to blame GLD and SLV because. It's, uh, it does well to sell uh, physical gold and silver that they make a premium on. Mm -hmm. um, but the truth is that the manipulation happens in the futures market, which is you know, 10 times the volatility than GLD does. Mm. Uh, so when, when, when you look at manipulation and uh, do I own my gold and silver, GLD has a mandate that all capital in GLD has to be allocated to gold and silver. The only time where there might be a slight discrepancy is, for example, if a bunch of funds roll into the roll into GLD today, there might be a slight delay of two or three days by the time they get that gold into the vault. Okay. Right, and that's that's the only time of discrepancy. But other than that, I mean, you know, just look at the people that audit GLD and SLV, 
and you'll have a look. You, you'll see, you know, how often these funds are audited. Got it. Well, talk to maybe talk to the listeners about the the you know a little bit about that the manipulation of the futures markets because because GLD and and I mean ETF prices or just gold and silver prices um, are affected by by futures by, by the futures market. But I know I mean I think it was was it last week or the week before where there was this like massive dump onto uh, onto the futures market for I think it was gold it was like a twenty billion dollar. Uh, Twenty billion dollars of, of paper. So, tell, I mean, tell us about what, who, who's doing it, why they're doing it, uh, what's going to be, you know, going on in the future in, in that regard, as far as the manipulation is concerned. Yeah. So, firstly, regarding who's doing it, um, there are a series of banks involved with actually executing these trades. Uh, at the at the end, in the end of it, how do you know who's doing it? You can't really tell mm-hmm. in in the actual fact of it. Now. Let's look at it from a business perspective, because everyone likes to look at it from a very fear-based perspective, and oh my God, there's manipulation going on, oh my God, the world's ending. The truth is, if I had the capital liquidity, right, to move a market where I could acquire or create a position that was more favorable to my interests, I would do exactly the same thing. If I had the capital liquidity to move a market down, uh, in about three minutes, I would do exactly the same thing, and any smart business person would do, would do exactly the same thing. Then you'd go, you'd go buy once it hit that, once it started to go down. Right. Or if I'm if I'm look if I'm sitting on an options position that's about to expire and I'm going to lose a bunch of money, and I've got capital that could move a market, why wouldn't I move the market, stay in stay in you know stay in profit on my position, and then let it go back up again? Hmm. You know. So when people sense. when people cry about manipulation. I think it's simply because uh, of all the fear around it. But this is how markets work. We were manipulating real estate prices and rents in London when we had enough property in a particular block, for example, and we could just instantly say, okay, all the rents go up 20%, otherwise don't rent them and we'll leave them there empty. Very quickly, the area goes up in rent, right? So everyone, that happens in every single market. It's nothing to be scared about. If you are a long-term investor, if you're a short-term investor and you're leveraged in a leveraged position, it's Can something hurt. to be terrified about. Yep. So uh, what? So what type of price fixing uh, measures are are taken so that the? I mean, because obviously in in real estate there's there's you know some some price fixing regulation and and obviously with you know the retail market same thing. So does that exist in the in the precious metal markets? I mean, think about it, right? Like all of this stuff. I mean, for example, like I said, if you've just got enough volume, you can move a price and you don't need too much volume. You don't need to to buy 51% or dump 51% onto the market. What you need is right timing to dump a certain amount onto the market, like you said. Um, And at that point, you let the high-frequency trading robots do the rest, and that's <laughs> that's that's the problem with the market, right? Because anyone who's trading is no longer trading against a human; they're trading against a, a, a robot that's moving at nanoseconds yep. faster than you are, yep. and against hedge funds that are putting up, you know, spending a billion dollars to rewire the city's internet connection so they can get a slightly faster, um, faster internet, connection. internet connection. Right, so that's really the problem. There is no, as far as the market goes, the market is what the market is, what the market is at this time. The question that you've got to ask yourself is, am I in this for the long term or am I in this for the short term? If I'm in this for the short term and I'm in a leveraged position, you're pretty much screwed in any market. Yep. 
you know so it's it's really a question of what am i here for and uh you know how do i do i want to live a life of complete stress every time something happens to gold and silver <laughs> well t so give us you know and i know this is a very you know loaded loaded question requiring a, a crystal ball but you know looking at some of the, the things on your website and i think where we align in, to a degree uh, philosophically is you know how our how our, our world economy is is currently structured, which is uh, pretty much all all debt all debt based, and the the underlying you know the under underlying objective of central banks and governments around the world is to continue to push growth, and that growth is being is being financed by an increased amount of of, of debt. So it's it's clearly, in my opinion, you know, and, and I'm not a, a you know a PhD economist, but in my opinion, I mean that's that's a it's it's a game that's never worked, and it, it's a game that no longer makes 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 much sense for for any economy. So looking at that, number one, do you agree? And then number two, you know, really as as things unwind, right? Where where will gold and silver? Where will they where will they stand through that? Now I know you're a long term guy. So I'm sure there'll be a, a tremendous amount of short-term volatility, but as the as the markets play out over the long term, where do you think gold and silver are going to land? Um, so firstly, two things. Number one, absolutely, uh, I completely agree that no monetary system based on debt alone has ever survived, um, and so that's definitely happening at some point. Secondly, you said it's not good for the world. The truth is, it is actually good for the world right now. So extremely short term, it's really great for the world because the world is not prepared. Um, people are not prepared. They are going. People are going to wake up one day, and I'm not somebody in the gold and silver space, just like some of my peers that say, you know, you're going to have to use gold, bricks, bars, and coins for groceries. I don't think. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, it's yeah, never going to happen. It's going to happen. Here, my version of what's going to happen from a simple economic and efficiency perspective is we're going to wake up one day and the Federal Reserve will have revalued gold to five thousand or seven thousand dollars an ounce, yep. and suddenly they will have they will have uh, transitioned on to a gold-backed currency, yep. um, or partially gold-backed currency. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. I mean, yeah, of course, partially gold-backed currency. Mm -hmm. Last time we was there, it was only 40% coverage anyway, right? Yep. So um, that's what I think is going to I think it's going to be very calm, and I think everyone is going to get uh, the shock of their life, but they're never going to feel it because they'll still look in the bank and they'll see $100,000. The same amount of money. They'll see the same amount of money, but the value of that money will have been destroyed overnight. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's what's going to happen. And I think the world will continue and nobody will know what the hell happened unless you're paying attention. Um, so, yes, I, as far as short term goes, I don't think we're going to see anything major up until your elections finish over there in the States. Yep. I think next year is going to be interesting as we start seeing whether Clinton or Trump, uh, whichever party gets in, how they start moving around. But I think either way, the answer is very, very simple. No country that's based on this system can generate enough revenue to pay for their liabilities. Nope. They have to kill it at some point. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you think that way because that's that's exactly what what I've been what I've been thinking for for a couple years now. And it, and it's even I'm surprised it's gotten this far. I mean, we did we actually our, our podcast um, our last week's podcast was on the elections and specifically the the debate and the debate. You know, really, it's 
again, it's it's so polarizing. Politics is so polarizing. Media right. is so polarizing. But you look at you know really the objectives of candidates and government. They're continuing to try to do the same thing, and it's just not it's not sustainable. I mean, you look at a, the U.S.'s twenty trillion dollars of debt and the amount of money it takes to service that. You know, taxing taxing you can't you can't tax people enough. You have to tax like all their income well, in order even, to do it. Right. Yeah, it's you, just it's just fascinating that people are not able to to do that just simple. That's simple math, but and yet they're still deficit spending. They're still adding and adding and adding and adding. I mean, it's just it's 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 ridiculous. But I think one thing you said though, I hadn't thought of, and I, I'm not sure if this is what you meant. But you said in the short term, it's a good thing. And for me, I look at you know I look at all the different forces associated with with our society today. And obviously, there's this financial force, but there's also there's a technology force. And I, I know right now, you know, Obama and and the politicians, you know, they probably wake up every morning and say their prayers and and ask you know, ask for uh, factories to be built and, and people to spend money, right? And it's not happening, but the money that is being spent is all on technology. And it's really, you know, in the short term, providing a ton of funding for, you know, tech startups and this technology and this and this and this and this. I mean, Elon Musk has milked that, you know, milked that cow and, and a whole fleet of cows, you know, to be able to build his empire. So I think in the short term, there's a lot, but, you know, in the, probably the medium term, maybe even starting the next couple of years, I think that you know there there will be an unwinding, and it was interesting. So tell me, so tell me this, uh, unless you have a comment, tell, tell me this first. So so let's say you know they do revalue gold. How can they do that? Is it like a collusion between all the central banks, or is it the Federal Reserve that wakes up and says, okay, we're putting gold at ten thousand dollars an ounce or five thousand dollars an ounce? I mean, what what are the mechanics of of that? If you know. I mean, for, it, this is again just a figment of my imagination because we're dealing with the Federal Reserve and they can pretty much do anything. Remember, right? The Federal Reserve in U.S. law is actually more powerful than the President of the United States. Yeah. Right. So that you, that's something we've got to all remember. Um, in in the figment of my imagination, what will happen is they will get to a point of either acquiring enough gold and silver or uh, a stable position in gold and silver. And they will wake up and they will say, because remember, right, the U.S. is the reserve currency of the world right now. So the moment they do it, it just makes sense for everybody else. Um, so I, I, I honestly think they will do their calculations and they will wake up and they will give us a price for the revalue. I mean, they still think gold's worth $30 an ounce. You know, it's, like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, when you on look their balance sheet, that's what, it, that's what they have it at. Right, so it's unbelievable, and that's if they have any on their balance sheet too. So that's yeah. another scenario, a whole different scenario. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I honestly think it's going to be as simple as, okay, guys, we have revalued this gold that we own to seven thousand dollars an ounce, or okay. whatever, whatever it is. Um, well, why don't you explain? So for the layperson, right? Explain. Well, why would they do that? Like, why does that make any sense? Why would why would they? Why would they do that? What is what is it about that revaluation that will do anything? So, for example, say if you've got, uh, say if the say if the entire economy is worth a hundred dollars, right? Just for example's sake, uh, and currently the gold that they're holding is worth a dollar. Well, in order to stabilize a currency, they need to go back to their previous covering, which is all the gold they hold is worth forty percent of the total amount of money in, in distribution and in circulation. Well, it's much easier to say, guys, we've just decided that that dollar of gold that we own is now worth $40 than 
to completely cause a crash in worldwide money. So it makes much more sense for them to wake up and say, okay, we now acknowledge that gold is worth $40 an ounce, which now means that all of our money is partially backed by gold and silver, and it's now stable again. So from an ease perspective, it's much more easier to do that, and it's the smartest thing to do. If anything else other than that happens, you will – it is – I can't even fathom uh, anything else happening. Because it would just create too much um, disruption. Just too it'll much. Coll it'll and, collapse. It'll collapse society if it unravels. Yeah, and regard. Yeah, and regarding tech financing, I mean that's an interesting topic, right? Because everyone's, uh, if you're familiar with the cryptocurrency world and things like that, which, you know, Bitcoin is interesting to me, but I think it's just another tulip sensation. That's yep. just my opinion, and I am probably going to get attacked by a bunch of Bitcoin fanatics yep. on that. Um, but. For me, what I really love about Bitcoin is the transactional technology that we've that, that has come out of that, and I think that's going to be integrated. But as far as Bitcoin goes, I think it's a tulip sensation uh, waiting to blow up at this point. Well, I was yeah, the technology side of things. I was I was more referring to you have so much capital going into like alternative energy and food production and and healthcare and so you have all sorts of the only money that is being spent. Is to really make make life more efficient, yeah, and that they, is very deflation, deflationary, which is completely contradictive to really the theme of all central banks, which is which is you know two to three to four percent growth. Smartest thing to do because the more you can invest in technology, yeah. the more you can turn any fake paper money into real assets, whether it's ideas or execution, yep. business, gold. Real, you know, people keep asking me, is gold and silver the only thing to protect yourself against hyperinflation? No, buy real estate, buy businesses, buy whatever you want to buy, but tra change the cash into something real. It just means that gold and silver might profit the most, but it's going to be the only thing yep. that makes money. So let me, all right. So let me let me back let me back up because I want to make sure that the listeners got the point about really the revaluation. Because frankly, I haven't even thought thought of that that before. So you're saying that you know if the U.S. has its gold holdings, and you can you know there's I think like U.S. debt clock has a has a good kind of tally of all the different uh, countries around the world that own gold. And what their you know what their reserves are, what their stated reserves are, but you're you're basically saying that the U.S. will revalue their gold will be worth like an insane amount of money, which gives them the ability to to maybe pay off some of the liabilities that they have right now. Is that is yeah, that what well, you're it saying? Yeah, it, it, it would almost write off the liabilities. Yeah, so it would it would just be and and that's just. From my perspective, that is just the smartest way for it to happen. The smartest and most undercover way for it to happen. And remember, the more they can keep you focused on Trump and Clinton and Elon Musk and whoever else doing whatever else, uh, and they can just change the, the type of money that you're using, the better it is for the world. Because at least there won't be any disruption, riots or anything like that, and nobody has to die. Interesting. That's a fascinating way to look at it, Manish. I've, I've not... I've not done that. And, that. and so, do you do you assume that? Do you, so, why don't you tell us who else is you know kind of shares a, a similar philosophy as as this? Uh, but also, do you assume that you know the reason why you know Russia has kind of gone on the the gold binge, uh, as well as China and a lot of you know other countries have repatriated their holdings you know in in the U.S. 
do you, I mean, what, maybe comment, comment on that and do you think that plays into this theory? I don't really, I can't really comment on who else holds this philosophy because they might have changed their mind. I don't really want to speak on anybody else that, uh, <laughs> okay. you know, Got it. Um, as far as, as far as I know, uh, all the peers in, in, in my space that are similar or close to us believe that we're going to go back to, uh, besides David Morgan, I think, believe that we're going to go back to trading gold for chickens or something like that. Um, which, I mean, it, it is absolutely a possibility. I just, my my understanding just doesn't uh, allow that to happen in the world that we live in. No. Human nature is too advanced. Human beings are too advanced right now that they could ever survive in that environment. That's why society would collapse, in my in my opinion, if we went back to the you know the barter and, and trading you know act something physical for something something else that's physical it, we wouldn't survive and it's just but not anyway. efficient and it's just not efficient and it's just much easier to do it the other way um but yeah i mean that's what i think i don't know anybody else I, you know i i wouldn't be able to comment on or wouldn't want to comment on who else believes the same thing as me i don't think it's about that um what was the second part of your question sorry uh, was it? In, it's in regards to the other countries that have kind of gone on the gold. Yeah, bench. I think you know when you look at the other countries that have, it's the smartest and the fastest growing, wealthiest countries in history. You know, and they've started acquiring gold and silver, uh, gold particularly, and they've um, they've just started building up their reserves because they know what's coming. They know what's coming. And when you talk about Russia, I know Russia's a very polarizing topic right now, especially with the politics politics going on in the, in the states but russia's actual uh, economic stats are very interesting and very impressive from uh, from from the amount of income people of people are making and the average statistics for for the economy i think they're, they're very interesting i think um china has done an amazing job and to be honest i think even though the the, the polarization that's happened with donald trump i think when he talks about business the business side he makes all the sense in the world. China has been very, very smart. China right now could send the United States into a third world country depression because of the amount of US dollars that they own. If they dump them all onto the market, the US is done right now. So they have been very, very smart in creating their position and they've been now a position yeah because if they were to do that that'd be suicide but they're putting themselves in a right. position where it's kind of it's chess it's right they're they're just lo they're locking in their that's check right position. it's completely suicide for them because they'll lose 50 percent of that trillion dollar position overnight too right so what they're doing is they're trying to figure out how do we change this capital this this, this trillion dollars of, of u.s debt that we own into real physical assets before any of this happens and how do we do that as fast as possible which is why you've seen a lot of Chinese investment into U.S. real estate, into silver, yeah. into businesses, into everything. Yep. Very good point. Very good point. Well, Manish, this has been this has been fascinating. I, I appreciate appreciate your time and appreciate your insight on on these topics because these are these are topics that we are are touching on pretty much every every week. And it's good to have your perspective from across uh, across the pond. And in looking at kind of what your what your business what your business is, it's uh, it uh, it seems fascinating. And so we'll post it's uh, it's golden gold and silver for life uh, We'll post uh, the material on uh, on our show notes as well as uh, our social media. 
And then is there, what's, what's kind of the best way for listeners to learn more about what you, about you know, the specifics of what you do? Well, I mean, we, we host a free workshop uh, every single day. So they can go to goldensilverlife.com. They can, we teach people on that workshop the strategy for making 12 to 26% a year cash flow on any gold and silver they own, which basically will allow them to have their money protected in an investment that has been proven throughout history to, to protect the value of money. Uh, while generating a passive income, you know, so they're not waiting to uh, for the day to come where uh, suddenly they make a lot of money. So come attend that. Just go to the website and uh, and you can you can register for that. It's completely free. Okay, that sounds uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, like so, like I said, I will post all of that uh, that information so those that are listening can uh, can access it. But uh, Banish, thanks again. We definitely have to have you on again. We do a. We do like a, a a yearly summit, like a financial summit. So I might reach out to you cool. in the next few months uh, for our uh, our spring our spring summit. I think you'd be uh, your insight would be would be valuable. Hey Patrick, there. listen, thanks so much for having me on board. I hope your listeners got some value out of this, and uh, I look forward to you know building a relationship with you further. Okay, sounds good. Okay, thanks, bye. Manish. Bye. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show your gold standard in everything financial.